good evening. Welcome to Calvary Church. Welcome to our Christmas Eve service. Glad that you've come out tonight to join us. Um, let me open us in prayer. Well, Lord Jesus, we come tonight to celebrate your birth, to celebrate the incarnation. Lord, we are a grateful people that you have come to a troubled and needy world, and Lord, you have called us out of it to belong to you. Father, we thank you for your plan of salvation. Jesus, we thank you that you carried it out, that you became a man for us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be with us tonight as we sing and as we worship and as we hear from your word. Would you bring us joy and peace that we so desperately need? We ask this in your precious name. stand together.
This is from Luke 2, verse 25 to 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. in 
singing came upon the midnight clear and you probably didn't come here tonight thinking you were going to learn something new but I'm going to teach you a chorus on this song that you don't normally hear and it, it goes like this it's a, we put the chorus of glorious in this song so at the end of the verse when it goes to hear the angels sing we're going to sing this Gloria. My eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. Next line is the same melody. Glorious. He stands above the rulers of the earth. And then it goes like this. Glorious. Glorious. If you'll stand with us, we'll try to put these songs together.
Will you join us as we pray together? This is a prayer from the Valley of Vision, which is a book of Puritan prayers and devotions. This one is called Gift of Gifts. O source of all good, what shall I render to you for the gift of gifts, your own dear son? Herein is wonder of wonders. He came below to raise me above, was born like me that I might become like him. Herein is love. When I cannot rise to him, he draws near on wings of grace to raise me to himself. Herein is power. When deity and humanity were infinitely apart, he united them in indissoluble unity, the uncreated and the created. Herein is wisdom. When I was undone with no will to return to him and no intellect to devise recovery, he came, God incarnate, to save me to the utmost, as man to die my death, to shed satisfying blood on my behalf, to work out a perfect righteousness for me. O oh God, take me in spirit to the watchful shepherds and enlarge my mind. Let me hear good tidings of great joy, and hearing believe, rejoice, praise, adore, my conscience bathed in an ocean of repose, my eyes uplifted to a reconciled Father. Place me with ox, donkey, camel, goat, to look with them upon my Redeemer's face, and in him account myself delivered from sin. Let me with Simeon clasp the newborn child to my heart, Embrace him with undying faith, exalting that he is mine and I am his. In him you have given me so much that heaven can give no more. You may be seated. Follow the star to a place unexpected. Would you believe after all we've projected? A child in a manger. Lowly and small, the weakest of all, unlikeliest hero. Wrapped in his mother's shawl, just a child. Is this who we've waited? Cause how many kings step down from their thrones? How many lords have bent their rules? How many greats have become the least for me? And how many gods have pulled out the hearts to romance a world that is torn all apart?
thrived. Oops, I forgot to turn on my mic, didn't I? Now we're good. Okay. Christmas, everybody. I'm glad you could come out so late this evening to be together and to worship the Lord and to hear His Word. And tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about how different passages in the Bibles have been fitting together for us this series. During our Advent series here at Calvary Church, if you've been attending on Sunday mornings, you know we've been looking at the four servant songs of Isaiah, and they all speak about the coming incarnation of the Son of God, who would really become the true servant of the Lord himself. In fact, as it was read, if you were listening, as Simeon's words of prophecy were read from Luke this evening, he believed the prophecies that he read and heard about and knew and that were preached throughout the book of Isaiah. And he was looking for their fulfillment his entire life. And then finally, the holy infant, the Lord Jesus Christ, would arrive. The servant songs are beautiful songs, glorious descriptions of the work that the Messiah would do in the Old Testament. And we studied them. And for your reference, they're in Isaiah 42, 49, 50, and 53. 42, 49, 15, 53, and I'm sure they're still online if you're interested in studying them some more, because I'm sure not everyone was here for all of them. But the sections, these four sections in the book of Isaiah are a unique treasure for us within the prophecy of Isaiah, because all of them highly exalt Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of the world, and they all speak and strongly encourage us as people who belong to him, those who have faith in Jesus, to fulfill our duty to take the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ to the very ends of the earth. So we also learned in our time there in these four songs that we need all four of them to complete the picture because it's like a puzzle that fits together and they all just tell a little bit of the story, but none of them really tell the full story of the servant of Yahweh who would be the Messiah. So just briefly in review, the first song from chapter 42, we saw Yahweh commission his servant for this far-reaching, magnificent work in the world that we've all been longing for throughout the ages. And we're still waiting for it in its completion, but by his servant, the Lord Jesus Christ, God would remove theological ignorance that plagues this world. He would free people from being prisoners to sin. And he would establish justice in the earth, the longing of every human heart. In the second song in chapter 49, we listened as the servants in Yahweh spoke to us as the audience and to one another about this worldwide work that they were going to engage upon together where God would reach out to the very ends of the earth to reach all the peoples of the world and save some from among all. In the third song, chapter 50, the servant gave a speech about his coming into the world, and the Lord God then followed it up with words of encouragement to believe what is really the unbelievable, that in order to accomplish all of this, this servant would actually have to be obedient to the point of death and suffer. But it's not until we get to the fourth song in Isaiah 53 that the picture becomes complete for us, and here the most significant part of his work his suffering is described in such great detail that through his servant, God would accomplish his will, and that will was to justify many sinners. Well, our Christmas meditation this evening is actually going to go then beyond these four servant songs, and we're going to look at the angelic Gloria in Luke chapter 2. Their words, the words of the angels that they spoke to the shepherds and the song that they sang, giving glory to God at the birth of the Savior in the world, is from Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles or not, there's one in front of you. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host 
praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. On that holy night, we read here, both in heaven was rejoicing, earth was rejoicing over the birth of Christ the Lord, and ever since that night, heaven and earth have been rejoicing, even to this night, even those of us that are gathered here this evening, we are rejoicing over that day. Did you notice that there were three notes in the angel's song and words in verse 10? They talk about the good news, the great joy for all the people. This is the central focus of this larger chapter, which we won't read the whole thing, but all of chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. And in the middle, in the point in verse 14, is this angelic Gloria, the song of praise. And the angel of the Lord appeared with the glory of the Lord shining around him and the shepherds, and they announced this message from heaven. Good news of a great joy for all the people. Very simply, it's good news. This angel evangelized, really, the shepherds. The word in the Greek is to evangelize, and that's what he was speaking to them, telling them of the good news. It was good news because, as Isaiah the prophet also foretold in chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That's why it's great news or good news. In Isaiah 9 too, it talks about those who dwelt in darkness on them, a light has shined. You see, darkness is an image that the Bible uses frequently to speak about the sin of humanity, our sin, my sin, your sin, all of ours, the sins of ignorance and bondage and helplessness and judgment that hangs over our heads. So it's good news that the Messiah would come because we can't save ourselves. It would be great joy. The angel announces this great joy. In Greek, the word is mega, which we know what that means because we use it. It's mega joy. It's great joy. Light would be coming with Jesus Christ. In contrast to the darkness, the Son of God would come into the world and He would fully and finally deal with sin and its consequences in our lives personally and how our lives impact other people and the world. He would bring a true knowledge of God and ignorance would disappear for those who believe in Him. He would die and then rise from the dead to redeem us from our sin, those who believe in Him. And He would give us this deep joy that we know we're forgiven completely, thoroughly, down to the very core of our being, and that we have hope for an eternal life, not eternal death anymore. It would be a good news, it would be great joy, and it would be for all the people. God the Father, through Isaiah, said in the second servant song in chapter 49, says this, it's too small of a thing for you that you should be my servant only to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved ones of Israel. Instead, beyond that, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. You see, the good news of great joy is for you and me. Notice also the three names that are given to Jesus in verse 11. Three titles, he's Savior, He's Christ, He's Lord. Sometimes we just use these words and we know they're packed with theological meaning, but we don't really spend time to think much about what is the difference between them. Briefly, I want to share with you the difference. Jesus is the Savior. The Savior rescues people. Jesus rescues us from our sins. That's what we need. That's our most basic need. Most of us have, all of us have so many other needs in our lives. But the greatest need, the eternal need that we have is to have sin forgiven. And He alone would be able to bear the punishment for that sin. He would become the God-man. He was the sinless one, the only one who was holy. And by faith in His cross and resurrection, we can receive freedom from sin and eternal life. We can be saved from so many things that Scripture talks about. We would be saved from sin, saved from death, saved from hell, saved from the guilt of sin, saved from the shame that comes from sin, saved from the bondage that sin brings in our life, 
saved from the world that has given its whole system and everything to the evil one. We can be saved from our own flesh that wages war against us. And we can be saved from the devil, our arch enemy, as well. He's our Savior. Jesus is also the Christ that is simply the anointed one. He's the king. There was a promised Davidic Messiah who would be of the line of David, who would be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's what Christ means. That's who Jesus would be. He's king of the world. He's king of this creation. He reigns from heaven currently. He's going to be king of the new creation, the king of the new heavens and the new earth. And he, would, he inaugurated the kingdom of God when he came to this world amongst us as a human being and started preaching. And he will return in glory to bring the completion of all his promises, all his blessings to his people. He'll establish peace. We all want peace. We all want justice in this world. He's going to bring it. We all want to see righteousness in its fullness because none of us really understand what righteousness looks like when it's thorough and complete. And that's not all. He is going to judge everyone who does not believe in him. And he is going to thoroughly deal with the wicked forever. And that's in the prophet Isaiah as well, chapter 9, verse 7. So he's the Savior, he's the Christ, he's the Lord. That simply means he's the eternal God. He is the Son of God eternally. He's fully God along with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. There are three persons in this one holy triune God, mysterious and glorious beyond the comprehension of our puny human minds. That's how big your mind is if you compare it to God's. According to their covenant of redemption, which theologians speak about as the pactum salutis, their covenant of redemption, their purposes from all eternity was to bring salvation to humanity, and the Son would assume humanity, and He would bring that, and He would become one person with two full natures, a human nature and a divine nature. These three descriptive titles, Savior, Christ, and Lord, summarize the hope of the infancy narrative that we read about in Luke, the hope of the world for all time, and the hope that we have even this evening. Well, finally, we read as the angels, other angels join in and start singing in verses 13 and 14, the worship that's given in two locations, in the highest, glory to God, on the earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. So suddenly then there's a multitude, of course, after this angel gives the shepherds instructions on the sign of where they're going to find this Christ child that evening. A whole multitude of angels appear in glory. Heavens are opened for them to see and, give, and they give praise to him and burst out in delight for redemption. It's the greatest thing that these angels have ever seen, you know, since the creation of the world. It's the greatest thing that they've ever seen since God created man and woman in his own image. It's the greatest thing that they've ever seen that the eternal Son of God would become man to save us from our sins. And finally, they discover how perfectly, how gloriously this would be done. And they sing what's then known as the Gloria. It's a couplet describing the happenings in heaven upon, and upon earth. And so in the highest, in the heavens, what's going on, what they're seeing is glories being given to God because of the incarnation of the Son of God. And on earth, what's happening is that peace, it's another way of saying salvation, is going to be coming to those that God has chosen. It's not about peace being granted to, to people that can somehow please God in and of themselves because the scriptures are replete with sayings like this, that there is no one holy, not one. You see, if there were one of us who could be pleasing to God in and of ourselves, we wouldn't need a Savior. We could save ourselves. It's not about peace being granted to people who are of the goodwill type. There's no one good enough the sad thing is, is that many, 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 many people think they are good enough. 
who think they don't even need a Savior. And then we learn that God takes pleasure in granting salvation to many. It's a word that we looked at last week in the fourth servant song in Isaiah 53 that's repeated so many times over and over and over again. This is part of God's purposes, is to bring salvation, to, to put his favor on certain people and to bring them to himself, to give them his heavenly peace, a peace that has so many dimensions to it. But there's actual peace with God, which is first and foremost, because we're no longer naturally his enemies if we have our salvation in Christ, because our sins are forgiven and God our Father looks at us through him. We're justified. The righteousness of Christ is what we trust in. We no longer try to be righteous in and of ourselves to somehow earn favor, whether it's religious duties we perform or some act of kindness that we think somehow that God will favor us because we're better than other people. It's an actual peace with God that we enjoy then, and it becomes internal because we know the truth that we read in the Scriptures, and we have the Holy Spirit given to us in our soul that testifies to the truth that we have been forgiven and we've been given eternal life. And so we can live out our life in peace. No matter how difficult our life is, how long it is, or how short it is. And then there's an eternal peace that's being talked about. If we were to die today with belief in Christ, we would enjoy peace with Him in heaven. But ultimately, there will be peace when He comes back in the new heavens and the new earth. That's all that the angels are speaking about and so much more for us to meditate on. But in conclusion, I want to return back to that first servant song that was read for you this evening for part of it in Isaiah 42, verses 5 through 7, because it's one of the most interesting passages in the servant songs because we see God the Father speaking to God the Son. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord, and I have called you in righteousness, and I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. You see, God the Father here is speaking confirmation directly to His servant, who we know as the Son of God, who would become incarnate. He begins by restating His glory. He's the only glorious one. He is the one and only, the all-powerful creator of everything in the universe. He's also the creator of all living things and all creatures, and most notably here of all humanity. He's the one who gives life to all, and he's the one who takes life from all. He is the one who upholds all of his creation every moment. And his servant is going to be, he's commissioned to bring in a new creation, a creation of righteousness, and he's called his servant in righteousness to be an expression of that righteousness, and he's going to express it in two ways. He's going to save many people, and he's going to judge many. His assure, he assures his servant of his strong support to the very end of his work. Notice how the father says to the son, I'll hold your hand. I'll watch over him. Because he's going to be opposed by Satan. He's going to be opposed by the world in its sin. And he was, if you know the story in the Bible. And it's still the same thing today. Many people oppose this gospel message. He will make his servant, our Jesus, a covenant to the people and a light to the nations. These are parallel statements, and they're referencing the inclusion of Gentiles, of people all around the world. It's just like Simeon noted that was read for you earlier. One of the things that Simeon noted in his statement and in his praise is that this one was born for all the peoples of the world. People from every tribe and tongue, all the ethnic groups of the world, some from all. He will expand his work of salvation beyond the Jewish people to the very ends of the earth. This servant is a light which describes the fact that he bestows God's grace and he'll enlighten those who sit in the darkness of sin and free those from sin's bondage. And all of a sudden when his light shines upon them, they will be released. Jesus is the one who said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
So this Christmas, it's my hope and prayer for you that you will enjoy God's light. From the prophecies of Isaiah, they shine from way back there. And that you would enjoy peace, the peace that was announced by the angels in the gospel according to Luke, that it also would be with you this night. And so as we often and always, always close our service this evening, we're going to be singing in a moment Silent Night and celebrate the joy of the arrival of the Holy Christ Child. And so the way we're going to be doing this is you all picked up a candle, hopefully, when you came in. And if you don't have one, one of the ushers can give you one. But they'll just simply come forward. And those of you on the inside, your candles will be lit first. And so then you just share it with those out on the pews on the way. And we'll begin singing as soon as we begin lighting. And we'll finish up together and we'll finish with a word of prayer. So let's do that now. Amen.
this, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Well, Lord God, we pray that we would hurry, that we would haste, that we would go out of our way, Lord, to worship, to bring you laud, to praise you, especially as we celebrate this evening and into tomorrow. Lord, would you stay at the forefront of our minds and our hearts? We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Thank you all for coming. Have a blessed Christmas.